Welcome to Criminal Sentencing Law, a series of podcasts which examine the sentencing process in New South Wales. My name's Elise Methven, and today's podcast, we will be talking about issues relating to the sentencing of Indigenous Australians in New South Wales. Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land on which I am recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. In today's episode, we will start by addressing the overrepresentation of Indigenous Australians in criminal law proceedings and in Australian prisons and juvenile detention. We will then refer to cases relating to sentencing Indigenous Australians where there is evidence of a deprived background, disadvantage and substance or alcohol abuse, with attention paid to the Fernando principles articulated by Justice Wood in the Supreme Court of New South Wales decision, Fernando. In the following episode, we will consider the 2013 High Court decision in Bugmy and question whether further changes need to be made to recognise systemic disadvantage in Indigenous communities and the disproportionately high rates of incarceration of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians. We will also go through a number of findings and recommendations of the Australian Law Reform Commission report, Pathways to Justice, which was tabled in Parliament in 2018. Systemic disadvantage, discriminatory applications of policies, alcohol and substance abuse and intergenerational trauma are intimately linked with the high proportion of Indigenous Australians in prison. The historical and continuing disproportionate incarceration of Indigenous Australians is well documented, as is their broader ongoing ill treatment in the criminal justice system, including deaths in police custody and correctional centres. As the Australian Law Reform Commission has noted, although Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander adults make up around 2% of the national population, they constitute 27% of the national prison population. In 2016, around 20 in every 1,000 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people were incarcerated. Overrepresentation is both a persistent and growing problem. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration rates increased 41% between 2006 and 2016, and the gap between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander and non-Indigenous imprisonment rates over the decade widened. The statistics for the states of Western Australia and the Northern Territory are particularly troublesome. In Western Australia, Aboriginal Australians are imprisoned at a rate of 4,066 per 100,000 of the population, and in the Northern Territory, 2,748 per 100,000. By comparison, in the USA, African Americans are imprisoned at a rate of 2,207 per 100,000 of the country's population. In the whole of Australia, Australians are imprisoned at a rate of 216 persons per 100,000 of the national population. Although some commentators continue to claim that Indigenous Australians receive a special leniency in the criminal justice system. In fact, the opposite is true. Indigenous Australians regularly receive harsher punishments than non-Indigenous Australians for the same crimes. In 2016, Indigenous defendants were convicted in the same proportion as non-Indigenous defendants, but were more likely to receive a sentence of imprisonment for the same offence. 
Indigenous Australians are also less likely to receive community-based orders. Indigenous Australians have a distinct history when compared to non-Indigenous Australians. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are much more likely than other offender groups in Australia to have experienced detrimental and intergenerational effects of past government policies and criminal justice practices. These include the ongoing effects of colonisation, dispossession, displacement, stolen generations and stolen wages, massacres, and systemic and institutionalised racism and violence. These policies and practices were often instituted by police and other government and non-government institutions and have exacerbated the incidence of poverty, unemployment, homelessness, illiteracy, physical and mental health problems, alcohol and drug abuse, violence, racism, and a loss of connection to culture, language, spirituality, and the land. Having outlined many of the factors relevant to Indigenous communities, I now want to look at two cases in relation to sentencing Indigenous Australians in New South Wales. The two cases are, in the order of dates on which they were decided, the High Court case of Neil against the Queen, a 1982 case, and then the New South Wales Supreme Court case of the Queen against Fernando, a 1992 case. In the following episode, we will consider the High Court case of Bugmy against the Queen, decided by the High Court in 2013. To start with, in the 1982 High Court case of Neil against the Queen, the High Court reviewed the sentence of an Aboriginal offender. Justice Brennan held that the same sentencing principles are to be applied, of course, in every case, irrespective of the identity of a particular offender or his membership of an ethnic or other group. But in imposing sentences, courts are bound to take into account, in accordance with those principles, all material facts, including those facts which exist only by reason of the offender's membership of an ethnic or other group. So much is essential to the even administration of criminal justice. It has been argued by academic Anthony Hopkins that the principle in Neil requires sentencing courts to take Aboriginality and Indigenous experience seriously for all Indigenous Australians, not just for a particular class of Indigenous Australians. The case also requires courts to tailor a sentence of best fit to the circumstances of the offence and the offender and thereby promote equal justice. A decade after Neil, and a year following the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody, Justice Wood delivered the decision in the Queen against Fernando in the New South Wales Supreme Court. Fernando became a commonly cited New South Wales authority on potentially applicable principles relevant to the sentencing of Indigenous offenders. At the time of sentencing, Stanley Fernando was a 48-year-old Aboriginal man. He had entered a plea of guilty to a charge of malicious wounding after stabbing his de facto partner a number of times. Fernando lived in an Aboriginal community in Walgett, a remote town in the far west of New South Wales. Fernando had low levels of education and had been forcibly removed from his family as a child. Fernando had an extensive criminal record and had been drinking alcohol prior to the stabbing incident. In the Supreme Court decision, Justice Wood enunciated the following principles in relation to the sentencing of Aboriginal offenders. First, the same sentencing principles are to be applied in every case, irrespective of the identity of the particular offender 
or his membership of an ethnic or other group. But that does not mean the sentencing court should ignore those facts which exist only by reason of the offender's membership of such a group. Second, the relevance of the aboriginality of an offender is not necessarily to mitigate punishment, but rather to explain or throw light on the particular offence and the circumstances of the offender. Third, it is proper for the court to recognise that the problems of alcohol abuse and violence which to a very significant degree go hand in hand with Aboriginal communities, are very real ones and their cure requires more subtle remedies than the criminal law can provide by way of imprisonment. Fourth, notwithstanding the absence of any real body of evidence demonstrating the imposition of significant terms of imprisonment provides any effective deterrent in either discouraging the abuse of alcohol by members of the Aboriginal society or their resort to violence when heavily affected by it. The courts must be very careful in the pursuit of their sentencing policies to not thereby deprive Aboriginals of the protection which it is assumed punishment provides. In short, a belief cannot be allowed to go about that serious violence by drunken persons within their society are treated by the law as occurrences of little moment. Fifth, while drunkenness is not normally an excuse or mitigating factor, where the abuse of alcohol by the person standing for sentence reflects the socio-economic circumstances and the environment in which the offender has grown up, that can and should be taken into account as a mitigating factor. This involves a realistic recognition by the court of the endemic presence of alcohol within Aboriginal communities and the grave social difficulties faced by those communities where poor self-image, absence of education and work opportunity and other demoralising factors have placed heavy stresses on them, reinforcing their resort to alcohol and compounding its worst effects. Sixth, that in sentencing persons of Aboriginal descent, the court must avoid any hint of racism, paternalism or collective guilt, yet must nevertheless assess realistically the objective seriousness of the crime within its local setting and by reference to the particular subjective circumstances of the offender. Seventh, that in sentencing an Aborigine who has come from a deprived background or is otherwise disadvantaged by reason of social or economic factors or has little experience of European ways, a lengthy term of imprisonment may be particularly, even unduly harsh, when served in an environment which is foreign to him and which is dominated by inmates and prison officers of European background with little understanding of his culture and society or his personality. And eighth, that in every sentencing exercise, while it is important to ensure that the punishment fits the crime and not to lose sight of the objective circumstances of the offence in the midst of what might otherwise be attractive subjective circumstances, full weight must be given to the competing public interest to rehabilitation of the offender and the avoidance of recidivism on his part. The Fernando principles have been influential not just in New South Wales but across Australia albeit unevenly. The principles do not recognise Aboriginality as a mitigating factor, nor do they apply automatically in each case. Instead, the Fernando principles provide a framework for considering issues relating to the subjective circumstances of any individual offender, including a background of deprivation, low education levels and alcohol abuse relating to one's environment. In each individual case, it is for the offender or usually their legal representative, 
to demonstrate the Fernando principles are relevant and applicable to their background and circumstances. The majority of the High Court has since stated that, properly understood, Fernando is a decision not about sentencing Aboriginals, but about the recognition in sentencing decisions of social disadvantage that frequently, no matter what the ethnicity of the offender, precedes the commission of crime. So that concludes the first part of our podcast on sentencing issues relating to Indigenous Australians. Thank you for listening to this episode of Criminal Sentencing Law. Please subscribe to the podcast series so that you will have access to the next episode, which considers the High Court case of Bugmy against the Queen, as it relates to sentencing Aboriginal offenders. For those who are interested in these and other issues relating to criminal justice and Indigenous Australians, I recommend the fantastic resources put together by Creative Spirits. These can be accessed online at creativespirits.info.